Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. So the Bible reading today comes from 1 Kings 19 verses 1 to 15. And I believe it will be on the screen. Thank you, Emily. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush bush, sit down, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountains in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, 
and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Greetings in the name of our risen Lord Jesus Christ to everyone present and those online. Our homes have been destroyed by an artillery barrage, as have the homes of most of our neighbours. Where was, why was God letting this happen to us? Wouldn't that be the sort of thing that people in Ukraine would be saying right now? For the last three months, as we know, the Russian military might has been trying to take that country. Initially, they tried to take the city, thinking that they just then have control of it easy. Well, it hasn't been easy because the Ukrainians didn't think that was such a smart idea. So they're now trying to creep in from the eastern side and take that. But in the meantime, they're still randomly bombing, shelling, sending rockets to innocent people, <coughs> apartment blocks, homes and everything. It's pretty terrible. It's a Christian country, basically. So citizens must be feeling absolutely crushed and asking the question like, where was God in all of this? Logic says it wasn't a God, it wasn't God at all who caused this trouble. It was a power-crazy man who wants to be the next Tsar of greater Russia. He professes to be a Christian, uphold the Russian Orthodox Church, but by his actions, it's obvious that he's not. So it can be all too easy to feel crushed, abandoned, when we're under severe pressure or stress. For us, we're not threatened by a shell coming through this roof any minute. We're not under any sort of pressure of that sort. <clears throat> but none of us is immune to feeling that life could not be worse. We might ask God at those times, where's God in our present crisis? Now in today's Bible reading, we heard that Elijah was in just such a severe crisis. But before we look at the reading itself, we have to go back to the chapter before to get the sense of what was going on. Officially, the king of Israel was called Ahab. But in fact, the power through him was all generated by his wife with that famous name, Jezebel. And Jezebel came from Phoenicia, which was the country just north of Israel. And the god of that country was Baal, B-A-A-L, Baal Shamin. Baal was a very handy god. You had to look after Baal because it was Baal who brought the winter rains. And as everybody connected with agriculture knows, if you don't get those decent rains, the crops don't finish and you've got no olive oil, levels are down. Your grain crops are down, everything is down. So Baal was the country. So this Jezebel, apart from working her magic or poison, whatever, one of them was to get the God of Israel replaced in Israel because she had come down south to be the wife of the king. Well, Elijah was a great prophet and he was not 
going to let this happen. He challenged King Ahab. He said, <clears throat> it's weird because he goes up to the king and puts his challenge to him, knowing that his life's in danger, but he does it nonetheless. So he challenged Ahab, he said, look, meet me on Mount Carmel, bring along all your Baal prophets. 450 came along, priests of Baal, 450 of them, and another 400 prophets of the goddess Asherah, another of these pagan gods. Meet me there. When they got there, he said, bring two bulls. You lot can have one, I'll have the other. And bring me enough wood so that each of us can cut up our ball into pieces, put it on the altar and burn it up. It'll be a contest between your God Baal and the real God. Okay, so fair enough. So it all happened. The bulls were brought. <clears throat> Elijah was a busy sort of fellow. He not only built a stone altar, he built a trench around it. The Baal people just did the same sort of thing, don't know about the trench. <coughs> Elijah said, pour water on that bull bits and the wood and the rest, pour more, pour, until the trench was filled with water. Okay, so the Baal people got going, praying their God, running around, slashing themselves, beating their chest, doing lots of hullabaloo and Elijah has a bit of a go. Oh, it's not working, is it? No, it isn't. But when Elijah called on God, the other Baal bits and pieces were there, unburnt. Zap, off went his bull bits and the wood, soaked wood and the stones and all. So the Israelite people who were there thought, hang on, Elijah has just shown us what a useless business this is, worshipping Baal. The only God to worship is the God of Isaac, Abraham and Joseph. So Jezebel, as you can imagine, was absolutely livid that her <coughs> priests of this God Baal that she'd brought down from the north had been humiliated. And the Israelites were saying, no, the one we've had before is the one we should keep, God, the real God. That's where we get today's reading. That's why Jezebel says, by the end of this day's sport, you're going to be like those Baal priests that were all slaughtered at your orders. She was really upset. But despite having just shown the mighty power of God by all this massive display of God's power, Elijah threw in a towel, ran for his life, finished up sitting under this tree and praying that he might die. Isn't that a terrible contrast to his confidence when he went up to the king and said, I'll challenge your Baal God against the real God? Was he suffering burnout? Had he given up because his life was under threat? Or had he just forgotten the power of the God that he just recently demonstrated? He'd overlooked God's saving presence. Whatever the cause, Elijah just wanted out. He'd had enough. He'd had a gutful. Well, this wasn't good enough for God. 
So here's Elijah wishing he was dead and God miraculously providing food and drink for him. He woke up. What is he going to do with this? God didn't specify. Why God had to give him the nourishment, he didn't specify. So what did Elijah do? He didn't say, okay, God, what next? He just took off for 40 days, 40 nights. That in old-fashioned terms meant quite a long time. He ran and he walked in the goodness knows what. Finished up on Mount Horeb, which is said to be Mount Sinai. Remember, Mount Sinai was the place where Moses met God by the burning bush and came back with the Ten Commandments. That's where the Jewish religion really got sorted out. So here's Elijah sort of going up there and as much as saying, well, that's all finished. I'm done. You're done. The whole religion that we've been working on is done. Well, God had not said this is done. God had not abandoned, abandoned Elijah. God had not abandoned his people. So God made himself known to Elijah on a one-to-one -one basis. He couldn't look at him, obviously. So you get the mighty wind, force to be reckoned with, no God. An earthquake, not there. A fire. Not there. But a gentle whisper. In the old King James Bible, the phrase is a still small voice. And many of us here remember the old hymn, which puts it so nicely. The last verse, hymn 598. Breathe through the heats of our desire, thy coolness and thy balm. Let sense be dumb, let flesh retire. Speak through the earthquake, wind and fire. O still, small voice of calm. O still, small voice of calm. That's how God spoke to Elijah. God doesn't need a sound and light spectacular to say, hey, here I am, blah, blah, blah. No way. God comes to that gentle presence just as he was with Elijah on that day. And that same God is with us any time we need that reassurance, that calm, that still, small voice. That's the Bible reading. Well, last week Josh preached the last in the, prayer, the sermon series of Adult Prayer. Today is the first of a new series called Called. What does it really mean to follow Jesus towards maturity? Today's service is titled Call to Self-Care and the idea behind it is we are never alone even when all seems lost. Just as Elijah was not alone on that mountain, so are we never alone. God is always with us. Well, lost was just how Elijah felt when he was under that death threat from Jezebel. And who hasn't experienced a life experience that was crushing. Might have been health, might have been something else, but we feel absolutely flattened and think, what can be worse? I think all of us have had 
that sort of feeling. I doubt if any of us here has been responsible for the slaughter of 450, 450 people just like that in one afternoon or whatever. I think we're all pretty innocent of that. But I'm sure we've all had issues or events, things that have just come across us but one way or another that have put us under critical pressure. So the issue for us is how do we deal with these situations? It's our choice, completely up to us. Well, we can do the Elijah thing and just go and sit on a tree, not necessarily a broom tree, and give up and say, I've had enough, just let me die. We could do that. But tragically, it does happen to too many people, especially young men. They give up. They cannot go any further. And what they do? They suicide. It is tragic. Such a tragic and harmful thing to themselves, those young lives cut off, their families and their friends. You might ask, where was God in those lives? Were they even aware of God to know that God was with them? The answer probably is no. That's an extreme. Don't do that, please. On a lesser scale, some people feel that God's abandoned me, so why should I stay with God? I'll abandon God. I'll try pills, potions, drugs, cults, sects, whatever. Or just live a life of nothingness. That's pretty awful too. They've either overlooked or not appreciated that we are never alone, even when all seems lost. Well, most of us here haven't reached that extreme, or if you have, you've obviously come back to God, otherwise you wouldn't be sitting or watching. But we may have questioned what was God up to when we were under extreme stress or pressure. Well, the answer is God was right with us, right beside us, never away. It also means we don't, therefore, have to deal with these pressures on our own, with our own resources. When we're in trouble, it can be, we've got to do this. But remember that we can always hand the problem over to God. His Holy Spirit is there. With prayer, asking how to get out of it and be sure that that prayer will be answered. The pain doesn't go away necessarily. It doesn't go like that when you pray. But we are given the strength to do what is necessary, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, and eventually we come to the next step. So that's how we can approach our challenges, extreme, large, small, trivial, take them to God. It's not just a trite and easy formula. You've got to be genuine when you do it, otherwise it won't work. But countless Christians have found it over the millennia that that's how it does work if you put the effort into it and sit and listen and wait and act. That's what we can do when things are going wrong with us. But how do we deal with other people? Again, when they've reached their breaking point or are heading towards it, what do we do? Sit back and say, oh, that's terrible. 
or to barge in and say, look, this is the recipe, just follow the recipe and everything will come good. You're going to be fine. That can be absolutely disastrous too. So the best thing is, again, to hand over to God the situation and with God's guidance to work out what can we do in those situations. Uninformed solutions and help that's not really helpful doesn't work. So let's recall again that we're never alone even when all seems lost. And keep in mind the people of Ukraine, that bombing, that shelling has not finished in the majority of the country and is certainly going on minute by minute in the Donbass area. So what do we do? We can pray that this power-mad president relents. Practically it may not happen, but you never know. You can always try to pray for peace in that sense. You can also help practically the United Commission for Refugees. They're working for the hundreds of thousands of people who've had to move because they haven't got a home to stay in. They haven't got a safe place to stay. They migrated away from the active war or most of them, or so many of them, have moved in, into other countries. Doctors Without Borders are working in the country right now. There are other reputable organisations you can donate to. So you can give practical support through money. But prayer is what most of us can do, and that has to be the most effective thing to do that. So let's just go through and read it together. It'll come up on the screen, Psalm 23, because it's so relevant to that sort of situation. Let's go together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me down. Don't be shy, just join in. He makes me, me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So verse 4 is the most relevant of that particular psalm in this particular sermon. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We're never alone, even when all seems lost. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we pray this morning for those who do feel alone, who don't feel your presence with them, especially those who are feeling terrible pressure because they're under attack physically, mentally or spiritually and they just feel that they have to deal with these situations by themselves. We think too of war and conflict 
may it come to an end in Ukraine, parts of Africa, South America, and all through the world, unfortunately, in domestic settings. Lord, these put people under severe pressure, especially women and children. We pray, Lord, for your blessings for them. Amen.